Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up, and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Now today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us move the ball is my dear friend and NFL alumni, Lifford Hobley. Hi, Lifford. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you on. And so for everyone listening, Lifford played in the NFL for eight seasons. He was a safety. He also is the president of the NFL Alumni Dallas chapter. Lifford is also a board member with me on the Women's National Football Conference, which we'll get into in our conversation later. And so Lifford, again, welcome to our show. And I'm really excited to have a chat with you today. Well, I'm excited that you're doing this shit. We've talked about it, and uh, it's actually happening. I'm proud to be here, and I'm proud to be one of the first guests of many to come. Thank you. Yes, I'm really excited to be uh, kicking off this podcast, and I'm looking forward to our conversation and, and future conversations, too. I hope that I can bring a ton of value to our listeners. So let's get into it. So, Lifford, you are an LSU alum played at LSU and just a couple of weeks ago we had the college football national championship where LSU beat out the Clemson Tigers and what a game so congratulations LSU first and foremost and talk to us for just a second what you think of the game well actually you know uh, it was a kind of a slow start for us and a lot of people have asked oh were you worried or concerned it was a 14 game season in any of the 14 games, I was the least worried and concerned with this team after watching them prepare themselves in the spring of 2019 for this journey. And it was an amazing journey to watch. I've never seen anything like it. And the many years I've watched college football, as even as a player, I haven't seen a team that function and that was basically on the same even keel but you know it took at least I think eight games before the defense caught up to the offense and they put it together they put together a complete game I went to the uh, Texas A&M game watched them put together the most complete game they had all in the entire season the end of the season which was the best game they played other than you know winning uh, 14 games I believe that was actually one of the better games as in a complete team they played the entire year. Gotcha. And let's talk about Joe Burrows for a minute. Elite quarterback, you know, amazing kid. What do you think about him and why do you think that he's such a great quarterback? Well, he walked on a campus two and a half years ago and there were two other quarterbacks. One signed as a freshman. He was a four or five star athlete, basically. And springs rose around competition start to happen. Joe is a very vocal person. He talks a lot. <laughs> he means what he says, and he puts it out there. Unfortunately, competitively, he's a very, very, very fierce competitor. He competed very high level, basically. Two quarterbacks left. 
and pursued their you know education at another university because they weren't going to play because of his dedication and he reached he basically focused and learned a learned a system in less than a month and a half walking into the spring game two years ago he was a starter you could see it and then of course getting through that first season with LSU was kind of rough because of the offense that was in place it was kind of Still the same old three downs, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Now let's throw that we're in trouble. And fortunately for him, Ed Ogeron, who I've known for many, many years, adopted to something that LSU has been needing for a long, long time, basically. And that's to open up the offense. We've had so many receivers, specialists, to come through that organization. And I call it an organization because that's what it is. Over the years, that have played in the NFL, so many receivers and uh, have played at a high level in the NFL for a number of years, but not have a prolific throwing passing quarterback with the caliber of Joe Burrow's skill set. Gotcha. Well, well, Joe Burrow is definitely a great athlete, winner of the Heisman Trophy this year. I'm really excited to see him continue on in his football career. And again, congratulations to LSU on their fourth national title. Very exciting to see. So let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about you and when you were playing at LSU. Share with us one of the most memorable experiences that you had being a football player at LSU. I tell you what, that happened even before I became an LSU Tiger. The recruiting process, walking into the stadium as a recruit and seeing, you know, just walking through the tunnel and hearing the crowd respond to the band. And when you have over 80 plus thousand raging Cajuns in the same stadium, it is a loud experience. <laughs> so chills, chills as an 18 year old. And his first game watching LSU Tigers play basically just sealed my faith. Didn't need to take any other trips. I knew why I was actually headed, basically, and that was it, LSU. Even though I had other opportunities, I chose LSU based on not only football, but the family style of wrapping your arms around players as students and also young men. So it basically gave me an opportunity to get my life started in the right direction by choosing LSU as my alma mater. Well, I love that. And you, you mentioned the energy in the stadiums. I actually got goosebumps just listening to you say that because I could envision myself as if, and I obviously didn't play college ball, but I can imagine if I was on the turf in the stadium with just all those people screaming and the band playing. And uh, that's an incredible, that's one of the most incredible parts about college football is the energy that you have in those stadiums on game day and people coming together. That's true. I've been to a lot of stadiums, college football stadiums, but there's nothing like the experience you get in Death Valley. It's a, it's a, it's a real experience that I think anyone that's a football fan should actually achieve. Take an opportunity if you can actually get a ticket in the stadium for any specific game. It's definitely a, a really great experience for sure. Even if you're not a football player or a football fan, 
I think that would be an experience that you will remember for a lifetime. Yes, I definitely agree with that. So now when you were at LSU, you had two different head coaches, Coach Jerry Stovall and Bill Arnsparger. Was there anything that either of them said to you back then that always stuck with you and helped you as you went in to play in the NFL or just to be successful beyond the game? Well, both of them, I mean, both actually coaches. Jerry Stovall played nine years for the St. Louis Cardinals which, of course, I played for the Cardinals for a year. And his influence was basically getting it done the right way, never giving up the statement of he always was one of those coaches was influence on every player as far as getting up one more time than you could be knocked down. Guys used to laugh about it, but it actually resonates with you once you actually experience something like that. Injuries, moving forward, getting back up, and one more time you can be knocked down. It's a boxing term, but it's something to live by. And of course, that's, you know, that's how I pretty much lived my college life, getting up one more time and I can be knocked down. And then having the influence of Bill Lunsbarger as a senior going into my senior year, that was the key component to getting prepared for the NFL because that's the way he coached. He coached like you were an NFL player already. He expected nothing but high level play and also he expected you to do your job as a student as well so those things were very you know well expected out of both coaches and i'm not sure if you're aware jennifer but i actually signed with bo ryan who was the lsu football coach in 1980 never got to coach never got to address the football team he died in a plane crash leaving my house the night of me signing with the LSU Tigers. Oh, wow. No, I you never shared that with me before. So that was the start of my college career with Bo Ryan and his staff coming in from North Carolina State in 1980, basically in uh, the spring of 1980. And then, of course, after that, Jerry Stowell was hired as the LSU football coach to replace Bo Ryan. He basically passed away in a plane crash before he could address the team. Wow. So let me... Move forward just a little bit. So you were drafted third round by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And share with us, what was that like transitioning from the college football experience to playing in the NFL? Well, even though I felt like I was very much prepared, I really wasn't. (laughs) So when you're not prepared, what happens? You know, in 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 the real world, you actually have a job to do. And if you're not doing a job very well, or if you're not in the right position to do your job, which of course I felt like after seeing the truth in what happened with me as a third round draft choice coming out of LSU, going into Pittsburgh, being moved to different positions and not being able to perform at the level that I felt like I could perform at, I got cut. I got cut and it was humbling. It was a very humbling experience and it taught me the value of what's real and what's not. And basically, the value of what's real was this is a job, this is a company, these are corporations, and you have to be prepared to accept some of the things that comes along with that job, which is a high-risk level of losing a job if you're not prepared. So leaving Pittsburgh was, uh, you know, I grew up a Steelers fan as a kid, following the Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaws from, you know, grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, with Harry Bradshaw was, and uh, then, of course, 
guys that were also Larry Anderson, Terry Brashaw teammates, a lot of different players from my hometown. It's like a breeding ground for athletes, Shreveport, Louisiana. That little city probably has more athletes that have come from that city than any other state <laughs> around in the country. So, you know, collectively, I could probably say we have uh, one likely uh, not less than 100 NFL players from Shreveport, Louisiana that have played in the NFL. Gotcha. So one of the things that I talk a lot about in my speaking events and seminars is I analogize people to being the quarterback in their own game. And I talk about how it's important for people to take ownership over that and really take action to move the ball in whatever direction they're looking to move it. And so when you got caught from the Steelers, I mean, that was obviously an experience that you learned from that. You're like, oh, okay, I got to figure this out. Like, what did you do next? How did you prepare to make sure that for that next team that you were playing at your A game and performing? Well, I basically went into it as a venture because it was actually bad. Uh, when I got to Miami, looking at the concept of what they expected out of each and every player, I had to know, I wanted to know everyone's job, who had to be here, each intricate component from defensive end to defensive end, from inside linebacker to the outside linebackers, each corner, each safety. I made it my mission to know every player's responsibility. And with that said, if you know every player's responsibility, then you actually are a little less likely to make mental errors. So that was the key to my success in making the team in Miami, even though I had a head start on a lot of guys because I, I was with Bill Unsberger for a year. The defense rolling into Miami in 1987, I actually had an opportunity to basically jump right into something I've already experienced, which is basically a Bill Unsberger-style defense. And with Tom Adabadati being the offensive coordinator, he stuck to the concept of the Bill Unsberger defense with a few wrinkles here and there, changes, which were fine. And it actually, I responded well to it. And it basically offered me a long career with my Dolphins based on the knowledge that I actually increased my knowledge of football tremendously after this second year of getting into the ins and outs of offense, defense, breakdown, breakdown of plays and breakdown of yardage and downs, game situations, where you are in the field what happens in these different areas of the field, what teams like to do and what you need to do defensively to make those adjustments. That was definitely a start of a good career for me. Great. And one fun fact to share, Lifford, while you were in Miami, you scored the first defensive touchdown in Joe Robbie Stadium, which is now Hard Rock Stadium. The name's changed over the years, but you scored the first defensive touchdown there. I did. I also had the first defensive sack against my old team, which turned into the Arizona Cardinals in 1988. I had the first defensive back sack. And as a matter of fact, I still hold the record tied with another defensive back, Mr. Wilson. He and I both are Miami Dolphin record holders with six defensive back sacks. After 30 plus years, I'm still one of those guys that actually has some information that's uh, related to high level of play. Well, that's great. Well done, Lifford. Well done. So you were playing in Miami during the days of Dan Marino. Oh, yeah. And Dan Marino is still known as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, college pro, football hall of fame guy. 
in your opinion, tell us what is it about Dan that made him a great quarterback and what did he do to prepare in practice and on game day that are important for us to consider doing as we are now the quarterbacks in our own life, as I've gotten people to start thinking about. Exactly. You know, everyone has a job to do in life and also basically as you know, professionals. When you approach it as a professional, then, of course, we actually, you're, you get the response that you need from others around you. They start to look at you in the same manner and they start to react the same way and they start to you know, work the same way. So with Dan, it was having the ability, it was something to watch. Even in practice, when you're working against a guy like that, and you have the Mark Claytons, the Mark Dupers, and the Tony Martins, Fred Banks, these type of receivers that are actually unbelievable guys and talented guys. He and Mark Clayton had such an unbelievable relationship on and off the football field. I don't think there's too many quarterbacks that can say, collaborate and say, hey, look at the touchdown ratios to other teams and other quarterbacks. Over the seven-year period, these two guys basically put together over 80 touchdowns in a seven, eight-year period. So I think that's Hall of Fame worthy. Dan's in there. I think there's an opportunity for Mark Clayton to get in there in the future as well. But, you know, working against these guys every day for seven-plus years, it was great. And people always ask, what's the toughest defensive receiver or toughest quarterback you've ever played against? I got it every day at work for seven plus years. Dan Marino, Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, that whole receiver core. We had tough practices. Practice was actually harder sometimes than the games we played because of the talent we had in Miami. And football itself, by nature, is a fast-paced game, and you're making these split-second decisions, and you're constantly performing under pressure. How has being a professional athlete helped you to perform under pressure off the field? Oh, because of the expectations of what I was expected to do, <laughs> everything else became easy. So, you know, basically I've been involved in an industry where, you know, it's very important this time of the year to get it right. I am a tax and accounting consultant to CPAs and tax preparers and tax attorneys. So I help them choose the right resources. I also basically make sure that they can get the right type of education that they need to continue their professional certification, the right research, so they can actually make sure when you have to be right, basically, those type of approaches. You have to use the right program. You have to use the right solutions. You have to be in the right place at the right time. Those all convert to life experiences today. The technology is so great, not only in sports, but outside of sports. We offer cloud-based solutions, paperless solutions, and you have to be able to actually sell yourself versus sell your services. Because if you're trying to convince a customer that one product's better than the other, you're not going to be successful. They're looking for someone to collaborate with them and make sure that they're getting not only a good product, but the person behind the product is going to be available to them each and every time they need the assistance. That's just like sports. It's similar to that. It's just, are you going to be available when I need you? Or are you going to be able to pull this off or complete the assignment I give you in a period of time that I expect it to be done? So it was great to have that experience. I walked off the football field into the front office. That's how prepared I was. 
after football because of the things that were people that were around me. The Robbies had a great relationship with the Robbie family that owned the Miami Dolphins from the 60s to the late 80s and 90s. And then, of course, Wayne Heisinger, great owner in his right, was one of the best owners I've ever been around, who was just amazing relationship he built with players on and off the field, where players were in making investments in blockbusters, which were basically owned by his company. And there were several players that actually benefited from the experience of being with, being around Wayne Heisinger as a businessman and owner and were very successful. So with that said, it's been great to be in the NFL and position yourself for a second career after. That's always been available to each and every player. There's no excuses. Education's always been there. Now that it's available for each and every player after football, there's no need, no excuses unless you have some other underlying issues that just aren't detected and there shouldn't be any unsuccessful players leaving the NFL industry from this day forward. We'll accept no excuses. <laughs> and I know you're very active. You're one of the most active presidents of NFL alumni chapters. So share with us, I know you've got over 800 athletes that you serve Talk to us more about the mission of these alumni chapters and what you're looking to really do to help the players, but also connect with the community. Well, more likely connect the players to the community. If you're here in the Dallas area, we have over, I use a hundred, there's more likely, uh, Jen, about 1,500. Because collectively, I actually not only control the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I also control Louisiana and Arkansas and Oklahoma. So I have a Yorkwood Tech, now, so to speak, as a president, basically. So we have collectively over 1,500 players that I'm responsible and president to. And to keep the guys actively associating in the community with the caring for kids or you know, type of approach behind us, like, for instance, just starting out this new year, I'm finding guys to go speak at schools. I'm finding guys to go to special events for nonprofit kids organization. I'm finding guys to go play in golf tournaments. I'm finding guys to go to speaking engagements, show up in events that are actually fundraisers for kids organizations and the military, which we support here around the country as well. So there's a lot to do. And there's always the ability for the players to actually get involved. So we have a lot of players we have a lot of interest from other opportunities. We also have a great social justice program that's been implemented through the NFL alumni corporate. So I've actually helped implement that program with our, you know, basically score, which is basically the officers and kids having better relationships. So I think that's going to be a great impact on not only the Dallas area, but other areas as well around the country as we go to the beginning of the year, we're expecting a lot of great things. Even starting January, the end of January, I'll be in Miami for Super Bowl weekend and hopefully get set up with some of our guys down there and, and to set up our social justice program starting in Miami as well. One of the places I'd like to actually get that collaborated with the different cities and areas of leaders in the communities to police chiefs and police captains of these different communities because we have in Miami, it's Miami Beach. It's 
plantation, it's Fort Lauderdale, it's Broward County Sheriff Department. I have got so many organizations that I need to build relationships with. Well, actually, not build relationships with, revisit the relationships that I had when I was there for so many years. So to basically get that done, I think it will be a very easy task. I don't see a daunting task at all, but I think it's going to be a great opportunity to get the organization brand out and about as it should be. It's 50 plus years old. And we still are having some challenges of having, you know, young players understand what the NFL alumni means and what its history of the uh, organization means to any player that's played in the NFL. I know you're doing some really great things. And for those of you listening who are in the Dallas area, check out the website for the alumni chapter. We'll put it in the show notes. They have a lot of events that you can participate in as well. I have personally flown down to a few of them, top-notch events. And so keep an eye on what they're doing. The Dallas chapter is doing some amazing things to make an impact in the community. And Lifford, you're doing a fantastic job leading the way. So I'm glad that we could chat about that on our show today. I do want to just switch over to another topic that is very near and dear to my heart, which is the Women's National Football Conference. Definitely. And so for many of our (laughs) listeners, they may not be familiar with what the WNFC is. And it is a women's semi-professional football league that had its inaugural season in 2019. They are making fantastic progress and and some big moves. And this next season is going to kick off in the spring. And it's such a great organization to be a part of. Lifford, share with us what your thoughts are on the WNFC. Well, I tell you what. My experience last year, it was an amazing experience. I basically got to see this come to fruition and complete itself. I was even involved in helping to make sure we're not crossing any lines and organizing and reviewing the logo of the WNFC and presenting it to the NFL office to make sure we didn't step on their toes. So. I believe uh, we had, we're headed in the right direction. We've grown after the first year. And then, of course, getting to coach the All-Star game, that was awesome. And then later on, getting to watch a unbelievable finish to the season between Utah and Dallas. That was amazing. I watched the Super Bowl last year. That particular game I got to watch between Dallas and Utah was definitely more exciting than the Super Bowl, I have to say, unfortunately. <laughs> Not unfortunate for uh, the uh, WNFC, but you know, unfortunate for the NFL. But <laughs> 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 what an amazing game. What amazing athletes. Yeah, I, I saw some catches, some hits, and some runs, and you know, just some great defensive plays that you know, I could take back and you know, video and go, hey, guys, this is the real deal. Holy cow, this is not lingerie football. It's not your little girls football. This is real football, and they basically proved their point. We're working hard, Jennifer, to basically also get the market to understand this is not gimmick. This is not mimic. This is real. They're working hard every day, challenging themselves, and playing meaningful games. It's amazing what I've seen so far. 
Yes, I completely agree with that. And I was there with you during that championship game, which was on my birthday last year. And it was an amazing way. It was an amazing way to spend my birthday. I'll tell you some great football. So to all of you who are listening out there, do check out the Women's National Football Conference. I will put their website in the show notes as well. I hope that you will watch the games this coming season because, again, top-notch athletes. It's a lot of fun to watch. These girls don't play around, so you won't be disappointed is uh, what I have to say. So stay tuned for that. So what I want to do now, Lifford, is I like to do this two-minute drill with my guests where I just ask you some quick questions, kind of like a speed round. All right, here we go. What's your favorite food? Oh man, to be determined. I don't have a, I don't have an enemy for food. I like everything. <laughs> okay. Well, it'll be my mission when, when we go to, since we always go and check out new places to eat, we will find you a favorite food. <laughs> yeah. But I have to go to places where there's no meat. So you're going to have to change your plan. You have to get you more than meat. <laughs> <laughs> true. I am, for those that don't know, I am a little bit of a picky eater, so I may have to work on that. All right. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie. Oh, let's see here. So far, many years, I used to, you know, basically hang on to Westerns. But, you know, lately I'm looking at, I've, I watched a movie many, many years ago and it comes on all the time on HBO and I catch myself watching it. Book of Eli. Okay. I've never seen that. That's what I'm going to have to add to my list. Book of Eli, Denzel Washington. You'll love it. Trust me. Okay. Well, one of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans, which is a Denzel movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, I will. I, I love Denzel. I think he's a great actor. So I will have to yeah. check that out. Okay. What's your favorite sports team? The LSU Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> I knew There's that no one. <laughs> <laughs> Best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? Hmm. Work hard. And, you know, kids hear it all the time. Hard work pays off. Coaches have been saying that for decades. And that's what I truly believe. Hard work does pay off. I agree with that. Okay, now I'm going to flip it. What's the best piece of advice you would give someone? That would be it. Work, work hard and it actually pays off. Okay. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? Actually, most people probably wouldn't know that I actually started out as a quarterback in high school and converted to a defensive back as a freshman at LSU. I was recruited as a quarterback by Bo Ryan and uh, converted to a defensive back by Jerry Stowell and Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator. Very cool. I, I did not know that. So thanks for sharing that. I was hoping that you would say like that you secretly cheer for Alabama football over LSU, but <laughs> oh, geez. I had to throw that in there. Sorry. And last question for you. If you could be any superhero, who would it be and why? My favorite superhero. Who would that be? You know, I watch a lot of superhero movies and cartoons as a kid, but I don't know if I ever had a favorite. There's not one you wanted to be? Uh, well, couldn't be Superman because you can't fly. So that was, you know, I don't know. It just, it just never hit me that way where I wanted to be a superhero or projected myself to be a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> 
I couldn't pick one. I like them all, actually. So even even a girl superheroes. So it was one of those things where you're like, hey, you're just an idol, or you had they were they were your idols, and you just enjoyed it. Okay, well, you're a superhero already, Lifford. So you don't need to be. You don't need to want to be anybody else. <laughs> gotcha. Well, thanks so much for for sharing your answers to my speed round question. So as we close our show today, any last words that you want to share with our audience? Well, other than basically, you know, every day there's something you can do better than you did the day before. So achieving what you'd like to achieve, just look to achieve something better than the day that's passed and look forward to the next day and achieve something different and a higher standard. I like that. And I'm going to share this, not because it's tied to Alabama, but one of the hashtags and the themes that the Alabama football program uses a lot is outwork yesterday. And that's something that I, I've just loved that, not because it's tied to Alabama, because of what you just said, you should focus on how can you be better and do something extra, do something more every day that goes on. And Nick Saban definitely got that from his dad. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I know you know Nick well. so um. He's a great man, and I enjoyed working against him when he was an NFL defensive back coach. And, you know, I almost actually ended up being one of his defensive backs in Cleveland. I was looking to, as a free agent, when I was in Miami in 1991, but I decided to stay in Miami instead of going to Cleveland to play for uh, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Bill Belichick was a defensive coordinator. Nick Saban was the defensive back coach. Gotcha. Well, thanks for sharing that. And thank you again so much for being on our show today, Lifford. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. Jennifer, you're an awesome host. Thank you for uh, having me. And then you're going to do wonderful things in the podcast industry. And this is a great start of the new year. And good luck along the way. If you need me for anything, you know you have my ear. Thank you so much, Lifford. And thanks again to everyone who listened to today's episode. We will catch you on the next episode. And until next time, make sure that each day you suit up, you show up, and that you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.